Solomon once wrote, God has placed eternity in the hearts of men. Doesn't matter who you are, every single one of us has a longing for something that goes beyond our lifetime, eternity. Uh, welcome to our series. Our series uh, has been on eternity over the last number of weeks. Today is the last uh, sermon on our series and it's probably a subject that not many people would like to talk about. Uh, it's the subject of hell and uh, today we're going to discover some of the things that the scripture says around this particular topic. One of my favorite preachers uh, many years ago, he used to tell a story of when he first became a Christian. Uh, as a young man, he heard the, the message on hell, on fire and brimstone, and he said it literally scared the hell out of him. Uh, I certainly don't want this to be a message that scares you into anything. Uh, instead, I would like this to be a message that opens a conversation. And uh, the greatest thing that could happen as a result of this uh, sermon would be that you actually take the biggest scope of what God says around your eternal nature and uh, make some decisions based off uh, the decision of, of who you are in God and what life means at this time. Uh, doesn't matter who you are, you've probably talked about hell somewhere or you've seen it in pop culture or in movies and you may have some kind of idea of what hell might look like. Uh, for those with a religious background, maybe uh, you have heard of hell from the sense of uh, perhaps it's a place that uh, is like purgatory where you have uh, a certain amount of debt to pay but at some stage after paying your dues in purgatory uh, you're allowed entry into heaven. Perhaps you have a worldview that there is no hell at all. And that surely a loving God would not send people to hell. But whatever your views may be, uh, I would like to invite you into this conversation to take a fresh look again as to what the scripture actually says. So what did the prophets, the psalmists and the people of God around the, the Jewish culture understand about the afterlife? In the Jewish culture, the Hebrew word for, uh, for the grave was Sheol. And uh, it was a word that um, uh, meant things like the abode of the dead or hollow space under the earth or grave. It had a context of people continuing on in their soul and yet their body perishing. Uh, we also find this word in the Greek uh, and the name of the Greek word is Hades. The reason why Sheol and Hades is a bit of a confusing word is that in the English it has been translated as hell. And it's not completely uh, helpful, that word, because it comes with some connotations for us as to what Sheol or Hades actually means when we think of the word hell. Job says in Job chapter 26 verse 6, the realm of the dead is naked before God. Destruction lies uncovered. In other words, God sees uh, the realm of the dead. But notice he says it's naked before God. It's uncovered. And there's a significance to that kind of description. This, this idea of being found naked is quite consistent through uh, Scripture, even through the New Testament. 
the way of um, the earth was prior to creation was formless, void. It was full of darkness. And uh, in some ways, Hades or Sheol carries on the same kind of context of being full of darkness, um, completely consistent with an untouched heaven where the earth has uh, not been touched by heaven. The sin of man ushers in a world without God and a planet void and dark rather than light and the life of heaven. Now, Sheol oftentimes is found with another word that's connected to it, and the word is Abaddon, and it uh, simply means destruction. So destruction and the grave, and even in the New Testament, we see death and Hades. Uh, those two words follow with each other, they're connected, and they're often paired together. And there's a reason for that, because when sin came into the world, if you think back to the Genesis story and creation, death was never meant to be a part of the created life-giving world. Instead, death was introduced through sin. And so death and Hades has a, a connection back to sin being found in the world. It's not a natural part of our world. It's been introduced through sin. Paul says in Romans chapter 7, What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? There was this understanding that our bodies are subject to it. We can't get away from it. Now, let me pause here for a moment. If you were to say, Steve, I've been a fairly moral person. I've been a good person. When I get to heaven or when I get to the judgment seat before God and he asks me, why should you be allowed into heaven? I'm simply going to answer, I've been a, a pretty good person. Surely he would receive me uh, according to his love and mercy, as a pretty good person. But the problem's bigger than just being morally good. The problem goes beyond just what you can actually do. We have enough trouble trying to solve morality in our own lives, let alone the bigger cause of uh, problems in our world. Death has still not been mastered by any single person other than Jesus. No one is able to come to God and say, I've solved the problem of death. And it's bigger than that. It's not just death uh, of your family members or of you or of those within your country or of the world. But Romans chapter 8, uh, 20 gives us a bigger picture. Paul says, creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that creation, the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Notice that creation itself is under the bondage of decay. We can't solve the problem of sin in our world, and yet we still can't even solve the problem of death or a, a world that is in decay. Jesus speaks into this subject, speaking to people with this world view. At no time does he describe or discredit their worldview. In fact, rather he adds detail to it. Jesus speaks into this subject, speaking to the people, to the people of this world, the Jewish world, who understand uh, death in this way, 
And he doesn't discredit their worldview. He actually adds detail to it. We know that Jesus understood the grave to not only be a place of destruction, but also a place of paradise. He said to the thief on the cross next to him, uh, when this thief said, Jesus, would you receive me when you come into your kingdom? He says, today you will, uh, I will be with you in paradise or you will be with me in paradise. Jesus understood that in this Hades or this Sheol, that there was both destruction and also paradise. Uh, N.T. Wright suggests, and I think because of what he sees in Jesus, that there are two compartments in Sheol and Hades. There's paradise and there's the pit. And there's a chasm between the two. And this is where we come to a story, a, a parable that Jesus shares in Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 19. Now in this story, Jesus tells about two men. One is a rich man. He does not have a name, but he's dressed in purple. He has uh, fine linen to wear. He, uh, he lives in luxury every single day. And you can imagine that this guy has everything that he needs. The other man uh, has the name of Lazarus, and he's a beggar that's at the gate uh, of the, the rich man. Uh, every single day, this rich man walks past and does not help him out. But instead, for this uh, man, Lazarus, he has sores all over his body. The dogs of the street come and lick his sores. And he just dreams of even having just crumbs from the table, uh, things that fall from the table of the rich man. Now we pick up the story in verse 22. And Jesus says, The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. Lazarus had a rich welcome. He was met by angels who took him to the side of Abraham uh, he was welcomed into paradise. Whereas this rich man uh, has no such welcome. In fact, he doesn't even have a name. He's nameless in this story. And I think that Jesus has done that on purpose in some ways. Uh, the names of those who are written in the book of life, they are known to God. But those who go on to destruction in their own way, they are like they are nameless. Notice there are a number of things uh, that the rich man uh, in this story shows us to be true of Hades afterwards. He was in torment. Note that uh, he was conscious. He also had um, his senses about him. He could see. Uh, he was able to touch. Uh, he was able to speak. He was thirsty. And he was also able to recognize those around him Lazarus and also Abraham in the distance and he was amongst uh, torment uh, at the time uh, with fire the story goes on in verse 25 it says this but Abraham replied son rem remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things but now he is comforted here and you are in agony in other words this rich man had received his reward already here on earth. He wasn't looking to the reward in eternity. 
And we talked about uh, rewards at the beginning of this series. But here this man had received his reward already, whereas Lazarus had none of these things yet. He was waiting on God for his reward. Verse 26, And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. So between the two is a great chasm. Uh, it is set in place. Even if he wanted to, he could not cross over. It was impossible. Uh, just let me read that last verse again. So that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over. Just take note of that word, cross over, those words. John chapter 5, uh, we find Jesus saying at another time in verse 24, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has, listen to this, has crossed over from death to life. Here is a chasm that could not be crossed, and yet those who believe in Jesus' name cross over from death to life, but it starts in this life where they are being dressed and ready. Notice the language uh, crossed over. Crossing over is by faith in the Son, Jesus. They go from death, a life of destruction, uh, to life and fullness in the Heavenly Father. In this parable, Hades is very final. There's no other recourse for this man to change his, uh, his position. The parable is told as a warning to those who have been blind to God and His righteousness and our part in being a conduit of heaven, touching earth through uh, His righteousness through us. So the rich man then asked Abraham to send uh, messengers to his five brothers and to tell them and warn them uh, to repent and uh, to believe uh, in God and to uh, get their lives right with Him. And Father, you know, says that all my friends will be here. They'll all be in hell, so I want to be here and party with them. But instead we find that the rich man responds completely differently. He wants to send word to his five brothers, don't come. And we find Abraham responding in verse 29. He says, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Abraham said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. In other words, they are already blind to who God is. They've already turned a blind eye to Him, even through Moses and the prophets. Even if a miracle above all miracles, even the dead being raised to life, was before them and could tell them of all they saw, they still would not believe because they remained blind. In the opening passages of John, John actually says the light has come into the world and yet darkness the world has not, sorry, the light has come into the world and yet the world has not uh, recognized him. Because their deeds were of darkness, they uh, turned a blind eye to anything else. They did not want their darkness to be exposed by the light. Here we find that the same is true. 
that uh, Abraham says even if a great miracle was done amongst them, they still would not believe. So without a saviour, we remain in the dark. Without salvation, there is uh, no hope for us to move out of this decay, this decaying world. Our earthly body has nothing to offer us for eternity. We actually go into the grave uh, without anything to show for it if we have not placed our trust in our Heavenly Father and His salvation through His Son, Jesus. Listen to Paul's words speaking to believers who have found their salvation in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven not built by human hands. When he says a building, he's not talking about a mansion in the sky. He uses the word tent and building to help us to understand that our body's today tent is, uh, is temporary. But the building that we have in Christ in eternity is permanent. He goes on to say, Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found, listen to this, we will not be found naked. For while we are in the, this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for, his, uh, for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Jesus goes on later on to speak of what to expect at the culmination of all the ages. He says in John chapter 5 verse 28, A time is coming when all who are in their graves, that is, all who have been in this temporary abode of Hades, will hear His voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. Notice he doesn't say, uh, as you know, some may understand around purgatory, that it's a temporary thing, and then after I've done my temporary service there, I go to heaven. He doesn't say those who have done good and those who have done bad will rise to live. Instead, he says, it is a permanency. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. There is no shifting of fate for both of these different kinds of people. They will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And there's been one man appointed to judge, and that's Jesus himself, God's Son. We find in Revelation chapter 20, it gives a really good picture of Jesus at this point bringing judgment on those who have been raised back to life from Hades. Verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, which is Jesus. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written 
in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Death and Hades are a temporary abode uh, of the dead, but the eternal judgment is one that is the culmination of the ages. It is the last judgment that is done. It is the age of ages, eternal, uh, meaning aeonious, which we, we talked about last week. It is age of ages. It's the culmination of ages. And judgment is placed at that time at the great white throne. What is the book of life? Well, it's spoken of later on as the Lamb's book of life. It's all those who have been entered into that book because they have placed Jesus as their saviour. They have called on God. They have looked to heaven and said, we don't want eternity that is found in our own making to be found naked, but we want to find life that is found in you. And so they had placed their trust in Jesus. All those who had followed Jesus, who had made him their light and who became a light to others, they will be found in the book of life. So one who receives him and continues to shine his light to those around them has crossed over from death to life. John chapter 3 verse 36, and this is our closing verse that I wanted to read to you. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. I wonder if you're dressed and ready. Your lifetime right now is a time, a, a getting ready, if you like, being dressed. And the dress that you need or the clothing that you need can only be found as a heavenly clothing. You see, you can't clothe yourself in eternity with mortal things. You can only clothe yourself in eternity with immortal. And what is immortal is the one who has actually defeated death and Hades, and that's Jesus Christ himself. He has an immortal body and he has prepared for you, for those who believe, an immortal body for you to live in. I want to give you the opportunity this morning, as we've talked about hell, I don't particularly want you to respond simply because you feel that you want insurance. I don't want you to respond because you've been scared into it. But I want you to respond because you realize that you don't have anything to carry into eternity. And that right now what you need most is the life of Jesus in you. His light in you. You see, our own way, our sin, our, uh, our own making, our own strength it does not produce the life that comes from heaven. Only following the spirit that he gives us when we believe in Jesus, that new birth is where we can have life that produces fruit. And so I want to pray with you this morning that, uh, that this would be a personal response to uh, the story uh, of what is, lies in eternity. And so let me just pray with you. If you uh, really sense that God is speaking to you this morning, this is an important moment for you to take a hold of this personally. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you were sent from God so that we would not uh, simply remain in our own destruction. But you call us, Lord God, to place our trust in Heavenly Father who has uh, salvation for us through Jesus Christ, the Son. And so this morning, Lord God, I just pray that for those who recognize that they have been doing life based off what they have to offer God rather than what God has to offer them, 
that this morning that they would lay that down at your feet, that they would take up what has been promised to them through Jesus the Son. And Father God, that they would find themselves handing over every single thing that they know has been in their own strength, laying it at the cross and taking up your life in Jesus' name. Lord God, I pray that for all who have said yes to you this morning, for all those who have repented and said that they want to follow you, thank you that the promise of God says that they will have life, that the Holy Spirit will come into them right now. I declare over them the presence of God and that they would find themselves uh, in a place where they have a light, not just in them, but going out from them to the world around them. In Jesus' name, amen.